got a t-shirt with bloodstains all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. <laughs> I remember the day the candle shop burned down. Everybody just stood around and sang happy birthday. And a security guard came over and said, you're gonna have to move. You're blocking the fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't gonna run. Are you make love to the right woman, Johnny is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, the last time I made love to my wife, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Nothing was happening. I looked her, I saw what's the matter. Can't you think of anyone either? <laughs> I never learn, you know, like a waitress will bring my meal. Hey, enjoy your meal, you too! But you don't have one, do you? I'm a doofus! If you do eat, enjoy it when you eat it. If you have a break or something later, if you get an opportunity. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all that I'm driving at, really. Hello, welcome to Comedy Think Tanked, a podcast with Leonard Kimball and Nick Gordon, two comedians who know how to take a drink and have a thought. Sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy. Now, whether they're ready or not, here's your host, Leonard and Nick. Hello and welcome to Comedy Think Tanked podcast. It does messed- sound like you're saying taint. Oh god, I, I've already messed up the name of this. No, that's all right. That's okay. Uh, hi, Leonard. Hi, Leonard. It's good to see you. Hello, our- Nick Gordon. How are you? Leonard Kimball and Nick Gordon. Uh, we are. Yeah, I'm good. You, you, you're good. I'm we do have to good. establish how to say this though. Comedy think tanked, uh, and it does. It's oh man, that's is okay it, though. Is it, is it too late to change the the name? It, I don't. I mean, we have a logo, so we have a logo. Oh, that's right. We have a logo. We got a. We've, we can, we already put it on Twitter. We it's, got a Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it's on Twitter. It's official. It's on Twitter. It's on it's Insta. Like, it's like part of our presidential record. That yeah. Once we tweet it out, I think it's done. That's the end until we until we get to a point four years from now when they tear down our Twitter <laughs> and. <laughs> archive everything and say these guys they've they've done it now it's over (laughs) (laughs) that was the last straw (laughs) they're out they they use tanked instead of taint taint they should have used taint they should have used taint comedy think taint but so i think like we would have we would have like immediately have gotten some explicit tag and maybe drawn you know gotten rid of some part of our audience but drawn in other you know, on yeah. part of, of it. We would have completely flipped it. It would yeah. have been quite the reversal of uh, <laughs> fortune. Um, but no, we are comedy think tanked, T-A-N-K-E-D. Right. Um, and, uh, and and this is this is us doing a, a comedy uh, themed podcast um, with a, a name that may or may not be easy for people to remember. I think over time, <laughs> pe- people will people will do it. I think the I, I think I'm certain that after 12, 15 episodes, I'm going to be able to pronounce the title correctly. And yeah. that'll help our audience. Yeah. So I think that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever audience we may 
uh, establish yeah. muster if you will right um so so help so. our audience understand t- tanked as opposed to tank and yeah Okay, go. I, 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 my thought in, in my mind was I've, I've always heard uh, the saying, uh, write drunk, edit sober. And so a lot, of, a lot of the jokes that I have come when I'm not 100% uh, in tune with reality. Uh, so whether that be through, um, uh, you know, uh, too many beers or, or, or maybe overtired, but you're tanked, you know what I mean? You're tanked. Um, and, and, and I, and I also like the idea of like the Washington DC think tanks and like, so kind of combining the two, like you're, 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 you're hammered and you're coming up with great ideas that may or may not help, um, the cause going forward. So comedy think tanked. Um, and, and doing a podcast with you because, um, you know, we have great conversations and we make each other laugh and, yeah, you know, so, and we hit it off right from the get go. We hit it I, off right from the get go. I think so. I, I, so it's, it's as much as like you and I have had conversations for like, we've been on zoom, you know, during this pandemic a lot and we've had like our two hour long conversations where you and I just crack each other up for, for a while. And then just like five minutes ago where, where we're like, okay, now we got to actually officially have <laughs> officially have a conversation and let's officially record this. And, and damn it, Leonard, we just got to do like 10 minutes. So what are we going to talk about? And we're like, fuck, I don't know what the hell. There's we're nothing gonna t- to talk about. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. And we're so I'm looking nervous. at the news right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's just nothing. I'm so nervous about having this conversation that you and I have had like a like dozens of times. So like I don't know what to talk about. I don't even know you. I don't even know you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are a complete stranger to me. But actually, you know, it wasn't too long ago you were a complete stranger to me. Because uh, we've two we, years ago, two and a half years now. Yeah, uh, fall of uh, twenty eighteen, maybe. Uh, Is that yes. when we met? Uh, so. At- your was it was it at your comedy writing class or was it before it, it was it was my uh adult education comedy writing class i said someone um uh actually it, it was it was it was don hartill our guest um uh who uh who said uh, hey you should you should you're a great you're a great joke writer you know uh you should go do uh, you should teach how to write jokes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, that's not was, an option. It wasn't one of those situations where someone says, you know, those who can't teach, you know, those, who, you know. No, like she, she, was, being, was, a, she was being nice. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Complimentary of my, of <laughs> okay. my joke writing processes, <laughs> right. uh, which at that point was just basically, uh, you know, stupid texts <laughs> like, <laughs> that I, that I think is fun. I, I do find sometimes I write good jokes in emails at work and, and uh, I have to remember to write them down in my notebook. Cause it's like, Oh, that was funny. I laughed. I don't know who the, re- if the receiving end laughed or not, if they really, you know, people write back LOL and they're like, Oh, and maybe that was funny, but uh, most likely they're just being nice. So yeah, no, Don, Don, Don said, uh, you should go, you should go to over to Dal Ed over there at the high school and, um, and teach how to write jokes. And then I showed up the first night and you along with several of the people were there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I knew that, uh, you and I were going to hit it off uh, from that from one of the first times I think when people showed up in that class and someone was, you know, in class and saying some really 
weird, awkward stuff that they had written. And and I and I look up and I look up and I, and I keep thinking to myself, don't establish eye contact with Nick right now because if I if I lock eyes with him, I'm gonna bust out laughing. <laughs> and it's no good. <laughs> and, and being a comedy class, like it probably would have been okay, but we would. I think it would have been known that we're laughing for the completely wrong reasons. Yes, because. <laughs> Most likely, a lot of the people in the room were going like, "Well, actually, I say a lot of other people." There was only there was only four other people in the room, wasn't there? <laughs> it it <laughs> was packed, packed with four packed, people. packed room was like all the way to the rafters. <laughs> it was one of those stadium style seating lecture halls, and <laughs> yeah. and it was yeah. I'm about to say I made a ton of money doing that, but no, uh, yeah. And I think I probably in the same moment was thinking uh, you, the same time that you were thinking, "Don't make eye contact." I was thinking to myself, "Why the hell would anyone allow me?" to get in front of uh, a room of perfectly good strangers and teach them anything at all uh, about life in general, let alone writing a joke. Like clearly I'm not qualified to do this. It was one, the one and only time I, I taught air quotes uh, a, a class uh, where, or were hired to do such a task. It was the strangest thing. But but you would, I got you to meet you. Again. You wouldn't do it again? I would definitely, I would do it again. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, where I live now, I was actually thinking I, I should call down to the adult ed area, uh, whatever it is. Um, I, I, think I, I got a flyer do, in them. Yeah, I think if you do do it again, uh, I want to sit in, just sit in the back, and just just to establish eye contact with you, and just to, just to see if I can keep you from laughing at whatever's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole goal for the eight weeks, is to see if... I can crack up the the professor. Uh, no, it, I I think we should do it together someday. I think we should we should do a stand up class, a comedy writing class, you know, for people who are interested, you know, someday down the road. Maybe even a, a podcasting class, because we have learned a shit ton, you know, in the process of uh, trying to set this thing up. Right. You know, you just just like you said, like uh, one point, uh, the 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 language, the vocabulary, the vernacular of it all, like. Uh, learning what are the right things to say when you're asking a question of somebody. Or, All right. Yeah. You know. And, and, and the, the right things to, to ask when you're figuring out the technology of this and, and editing and what is that called? It's like, is that called a clip? Is that called a split? Is that called a bump or a sting? Doug Bergfeld is like, oh, I'm making it. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a good sting for you. Or is it an intro? Is it a, bumper i don't know what bumper is i don't know i was like i just it, it, I, I just i want to make some sound i want to have some yeah. sound happen <laughs> it sounds like a bunch of different types of bees <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know it's a bumper bee it's a, it's a sting bee it's oh <laughs> uh, god but now we're learning that but before we got to this point though you know we became fast friends and and through comedy and doing stand up and you know yep. we get ourselves um set up with our little little comedy production you know yep. the um, river comics the river comics team and we've had some ups and downs with that over the last two and a half years but you know we like i said we became fast friends doing that and now we're in the age of pandemic and covid we're looking for ways to continue on when we decided to do a podcast together it's it's been great, Nick. And I, I I I I mean, I want to officially say I've not found a better white bearded friend than than you. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you are my one black friend, but um, oh, I, 
some people might not know that's one of your jokes uh (laughs) (laughs) that just sounded really bad um am i your fattest black friend you're definitely my fattest black friend am i your am i your skinniest no i'm not very skinny no i don't know i've tried to lose weight i I mean i want (laughs) to i want to be honest with you (laughs) you're you're not my skinniest (laughs) white friend (laughs) damn it damn it maybe someday we have a friendship built on honesty and, and honesty, trust. honesty, yeah. trust, and laughter, and that's right. how you build any good relationship, um, comedic or otherwise. I believe. True, absolutely. Like coming from me is even more funny. <laughs> <laughs> Cue sad music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. But our 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 guest today, we mentioned her previously. She's the one that pushed me into us meeting. She's the reason why we met, essentially, because uh, if she hadn't yeah. said one hundred percent, because yep. I I if she hadn't said you should write a you should write you know I'm sorry you should teach a comedy writing class, and if I hadn't seen the listing on like I think I saw like a advertisement on Facebook or something like that for Lewis and Adult Ed um you know hey do you are you interested in i think the blurb said like do you do you make your friends laugh do your friends think you're funny something like that have you ever been interested in stand-up comedy and i thought yeah sure i i'm interested in stand-up comedy and i took the class led by don hartill and then like i don't know six or eight months later was in your comedy writing class that's crazy it's been great so don don has you know has uh been the teacher to the stars uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, so, that was a loving laugh that was a loving laugh that wasn't like laugh. a disparaging laugh that was i'm it's true she's taught a lot of people no no she and has so like so like a lot of our comedy friends are have have all been in that in don's class and it's been great like nick Dufault, yeah. julie julie poolin and i've met a lot of people in comedy and and it's and have her to to thank for that yeah, the so, connections are, are wide and varied and, and mm-hmm. will continue to grow. Um, and, and she's she's one of the uh, linchpins, if you will, of of our local comedy scene um, in that regard. Right. You know, I think you'd agree. So. so so coming up on the show today, uh, we'll have our interview with Don. And it was a great conversation where, I don't know, what do we talk about? We talked about. We talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about you know where she where she comes from and and uh, her first time doing comedy in Philadelphia, which um, I think uh, is uh, her first and only time. I think and and yeah. the fact that she still had a car afterwards, she thinks is a success. So <laughs> uh, she didn't get many laughs, but um, she did survive. Uh, yes, a, a trip to Philly and 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 mm-hmm. elsewhere too. You know, in her uh, comedy experience. So. But we'll let her we'll let her uh, talk all about that. So, all right, great. So, without further ado, here's uh, Don Hartill. Hi, Don. Don. Good morning. How are you? How you doing? We're doing good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. You're one of uh, you're one of the first. One, yeah, one. we haven't decided yet. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> it all depends on how it goes. 
Yeah, I did the morning show yesterday with Mark Turcotte, and he and I were um, deciding which one of us were going to give you more shit about who gets to be first. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that must have been off-air, because I actually listened to it. Yeah, it was off-air. I, I went back and listened to it. So. I, I would, we would love to be the reason you and Turcotte start fighting again. So that's... <laughs> That was our entire goal. <laughs> that's, 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 all, that's all we wanted but from doing this. <laughs> Actually, and since you brought it up, that's that's um, that's interesting. Like you guys on the radio yesterday, you sounded great together, and it was, you know, we're, like we're nothing had ever. Professionals, we're both professionals. We know how to act on air. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But I mean, at the same time, like people don't get along on or off air. I don't think without some sort of rapport, right? Oh yeah, Mark and I have known each other for years. We knew each other way before comedy, even. So, yeah. How many years back. ago? How many years ago do you think? Ah, oh, I don't know. So he used to work at uh, the Sun Journal with my husband, and that was a long time ago. And then he was the um, PR guy for the Dempsey Center. So I, I think I he started doing comedy when he was doing that and was doing fundraisers, and that's when I started going to comedy shows was through when he was doing fundraisers when he first became a comedian and did you think like oh i can do that and i can do it better no not necessarily <laughs> i i i would go to shows and i just have a great time and it took a lot of shows you know to understand that these are just normal people because i always thought like comedians were you know super famous people because that's all you ever saw on tv you know right. growing up and stuff and then I realized like after going to some of local comedy shows that these are just regular people and you just have to figure out if you have that talent. Regular people like the sound of their own voice. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that that's definitely a trait of most comedians, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I took a stand-up comedy class, I think it was six years ago now. And I didn't know if I'd actually do stand-up comedy. I just thought it would be fun, like something fun to do for six weeks to get out of the house. I, I never thought it would turn into like a side job, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, what, I, class did you, yeah, what class did you take? I or, took uh, the Lewis and Adult Ed stand-up comedy workshop with Tuck Tucker. Ah, okay. The one that you now teach. Yes. Fourth year this year, I'll be teaching that class. And uh, I, I took a couple other workshops after after that. I mean, because you can only get better, right, from from sure. learning from more people. So I took a advanced stand-up comedy class with Tim Farrell. And um, I did another one with Mark, Mark Scalia, I think. That was like a one-day workshop. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What do you remember... Um... Like the first time, maybe pre-comedy uh, workshops, like the first time you got a big laugh? Like before a workshop? Like, you know, I was mean, it like as not a, trying to be doing stand-up, you mean? Like just... Like, like yeah, the, like, the, like in life, like the first time, like you made a bunch of people laugh. Yeah, I actually do remember that. It was in fourth grade. <laughs> in fourth grade, we had to... Um, so I grew up in New York state and like in any state in fourth grade, you do your state history. So in Maine, obviously people do Maine state history in fourth grade. So I was in New York and we were doing New York state history and we all had like this 
I don't know how many weeks long project we had to do. And we each took a different thing from New York state and we like didn't get to choose it ourselves. We had to like pick it out of a bucket, like what your topic was. So somebody got, you know, the Empire State Building, somebody got Statue of Liberty, somebody got the Brooklyn Bridge. Don got the Guggenheim Museum. <laughs> <laughs> and in fourth grade, I had no idea. So we were supposed to do this weeks long project. You were have to bring in something like a poster or a model or something. And you had to write an oral report and present it in front of the class. And um, I didn't have any help at home. Like you could see some of the kids came in and, you know, their parents were way involved and they brought, I remember somebody had uh, the New York Stock Exchange and they had like a working ticker tape machine, you know. <laughs> what year was this? this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, ticker tape. it was old. It was a long time. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Uh, anyways, they had all these things, like everybody had these cool projects and I had no one to help me. So I had like sketched out <laughs> from like a copy in the encyclopedia, what the Guggenheim Museum looked like, like <laughs> on a piece of poster board. And then I didn't know how to write a report. I didn't know how to do anything. And I basically like pretty much just copied stuff out of the encyclopedia <laughs> onto my oral report to read in front of the class. And <laughs> I didn't know how to write a report. So I read it. And at the end, I like said, Sincerely yours, Dawn. <laughs> Dear Santa. Like, like letters. And of course, that got a laugh. And then I said, P.S. <laughs> the phone number to the Guggenheim Museum is, and I gave the phone number. And the teacher about fell off of his desk, like laughing. And the whole class was laughing. And I just stood there. I didn't know why it was funny. But I liked that everybody was laughing and that I like had grasped the attention of like you know 30 people oh, in this man. class also yeah i love that you could you could have put the phone number in the the body in the report. Of, the, of the letter but <laughs> the letter. i've already said sincerely <laughs> yours so now i gotta <laughs> i gotta do a ps yeah. right. and then and then to add insult to injury to that whole thing we all had to do like a test like after everybody had done their reports it was over like several days so then like on friday the teacher gave a test and there was one question from every person's report on the test. So you had to know like one <laughs> fact about all these things. Mine was the bonus question. What's the phone number of the Guggenheim Museum? <laughs> <laughs> and as we're taking the test, I start hearing everybody laughing throughout the class. And I mean, I guess, you know, some people it would be like devastated and they'd be like, Oh, everybody's laughing at me. But for me, I was like, Oh, this is attention. Like, I love everybody's laughing at me. Look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So you wrote your first joke, got your first laugh, and your first callback in your set. In, in wow. fourth grade. In fourth grade as a nine-year-old. Oh, man. I know. We I'm can't even accomplish those early. things now. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't do a callback. <laughs> oh, what a story. That's amazing. So you grew up in, in New York. You grew up in New York. What what part? You're talking about stuff that's in New York City, but you didn't grow up in New York City, right? No, I grew up upstate. I actually grew up on the Canadian border in a little town you might have heard of called Niagara Falls. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. So yeah, it's they got anything a, there? A, a, with with a the big barrels. city. Yeah, with the barrels. Right? <laughs> it's a big okay. city. But we, I was like right on the border, so I could like ride my bicycle over to Niagara Falls, Canada. You know, 
with uh, they, you had to show your, show your student ID. You never needed a passport back when I was a kid. You little you terrorist. A quarter, a quarter <laughs> for the turnstile, and then show your student ID, and you could go to Canada. <laughs> wow. Come but back why? drunk. You just come back drunk. <laughs> yeah, that was a little later, Leonard. Oh. You know, uh, 16 or so. Okay. The age is 19 over there. But yeah, that was a and little just, later. You could just waltz over, and it was within bike riding distance of the house. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, it, I mean, cities on either side or, or just small towns? or I've never actually been oh, in no, Niagara Falls. Oh, no, they're big cities. Like, when I lived in, in Niagara Falls, it was about 75,000. And now it's, like, triple that. Um, oh, bigger than a Portland. Suburb of, yeah, it's a suburb of Buffalo. So it's a huge oh. city. I mean, we had three high schools. So if that makes, you know, <laughs> you can visualize that, how big it was. And then yeah. Niagara Falls, Canada is also a city, but it's more of a tourist attraction. So it's all like, you know, you got Ripley's Believe It or Not and the Planet Hollywood and like all those things, Hard Rock Cafe, that's all on that side. So even though it's a city, people don't actually live in that downtown area on the Canadian side because huh, it's a so, tour- tourist area. So now that's, that's an area even bigger than Portland, Maine, where I grew up and not as big as the Chicago area where Leonard's from, but I'm, I, I've, I was born and raised in Maine. I've never really been out. I mean, I've been to upstate New York, but not, I, I can't remember anything about it necessarily. I think I was drunk the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I never really thought about that. I always think of places from a way of just being like these own, their own thing. And, you know, then that, that, I don't know. It's weird. Like you fly there and then you, it's like all of a sudden they built it up just for you in that moment. I'm going off on a weird, weird, weird <laughs> tangent. I can't, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine like, like other people doing things outside in the world while you're here doing what you're doing. It's like everything stops. I don't know. And, and you also meet people at certain points in their life and you forget that they've had a whole life before you met them. Like your, your, your story with them starts when you meet, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and and that, that is the start of the story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They have this whole other thing going on and (laughs) how did you get to me? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. How how did you, you know, leave the hustle and bustle and barrels of uh, Niagara Falls (laughs) and, and uh, what brought you to Maine? So uh, when I was a senior in high school, I applied to like every college imaginable because I wanted the first thing on my bucket list was to get out of Niagara Falls. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just wanted to go somewhere else, but I had no money for college. So I just applied to anywhere that I could find. And there was a school down in Chattanooga, Tennessee that offered me a full scholarship. So I said, that's where I'm going. I never even visited it. I just said yes and showed up in the end of August and walked in and I was like, wow, this is where I am for the next four years. <laughs> oh, so we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I what? didn't really have a lot of choice. I didn't know, you know, like how you paid for college if your parents didn't pay. I didn't know anything about loans or federal aid or any of that kind of stuff. So I just uh, figured I'd go the scholarship route. So, what, so I what did was that. The scholarship? And, Sorry. Ahead. What was the scholarship for? Oh, come on. Math? Academics. Academics? Well, I, <laughs> I wasn't exactly a basketball player. Like ta- taekwondo. I was on the taekwondo, taekwondo. team. <laughs> yeah. It was well, I didn't, you know, dance. No. poetic dance. Hey, who, who the hell knows? No. 
as we just said, people have lives before. (laughs) Yeah. And, and knowing what I know now, like, obviously it was great to not owe any money when I came out of school, but knowing what I know now, I wish I didn't go that route because all my friends like partied all through college. And I was like killing myself with homework because I couldn't get below like a three, seven, five, or I would lose my, my scholarship. Grades go that high. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that, that took a lot to uh, keep, keep on that track. But how I got to Maine was I, I, I met a boy in, in Tennessee that was from Maine. Yep. And, uh, Day after I graduated from college, got married, and moved back to Maine with him. The day after? The day after. You didn't want to wait a week? (laughs) I know, right? Like, I literally, I graduated early, so I graduated a semester early. So I did college in, like, seven semesters. So I graduated in December, had my graduation on a Friday, flew home, had my rehearsal dinner, got married on Saturday, and then we moved to Maine on Sunday. Wow, what, was wow. he was he like? We have we have awesome weather for like three weeks out of the year. <laughs> you really? <laughs> I had visited. I had visited. It wasn't like that was my first trip to Maine. And and you know, if you've never been to Niagara Falls, the weather is quite similar to Maine. Okay, they get a Except lot of snow the, too. Isn't there like the lake effect snow though that dumps a yeah. two feet? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's that, but it goes away pretty fast because it it melts, right? Yeah. So oh. so that's how I got to Maine. And, and wow. I stayed. That was in 1994. And you didn't think immediately after all that, like graduating from high school, graduating from college and getting married within 48 hours that like uh, stand up comedy is right up your alley. Like that, <laughs> like that moment in time, you're like, this needs to be told on the stage to people. They're going to laugh their asses. No, never <laughs> occurred to me. Never occurred uh, to me. Wow. My, I majored in elementary education in college and I thought I was going to be a teacher and I got a job like January, right after I graduated. And uh, I taught for six months for, I took over a job of like a teacher that went out on maternity leave and wasn't gonna come back. And I taught the class for the rest of the year. And in June I said, this is not for me. I am not a teacher. And I never look back. <laughs> Damn, <Wow. laughs> the world needs good teachers. <laughs> yeah. My my family always wanted me to be a teacher, but I'm terrible with names. So I figured that's just not, I can't. Like, it'll take me three months to learn these kids' names, and <laughs> that's not going to look good. Hello, class. My name is Mr. Go. Go. Ah, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I should have noticed, like, in college, as I was preparing to be a teacher, you have to do practicum and a student teaching and all that. I loved the part about being in front of the class. I loved the vocal part. I hated like actually trying to get someone to understand something like on paper, like everything just clicked so easy for me. It it was so frustrating for me to have like kids that just didn't get it sometimes, you know? So I would just spin around and I'm just like, I'm not cut out for this. And then the kicker was, you know, once I actually became a teacher and then like parents are calling me at home. And telling me like, how come their kids failing? Um, maybe because you never helped them with their homework. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just didn't have the 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 patience or the uh, kind of personality you need to to be a good teacher. Well, well, 
So fast forward to like you know you know a few years from now you now you started doing comedy teaching or are you, how how is that working out for you are you enjoying yeah that? that's very definitely very different so okay. maybe maybe I should say I don't have the aptitude for teaching children <laughs> 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 I I loved my own children growing up but I always said like. I loved when my boys hung out with other kids because it reminded me why I love my own children. <laughs> like, there's other people's kids. Nope. <laughs> yeah, but I, would, I have I used all my stuff, you know, that I learned in college and teaching to, to teach stand-up comedy. And, you know, I do trainings at my day job and, and, and that kind of thing. So that it, it's all worked out, you know, your, your life path. You never know where it's going to go. But I, I always say there's always reasons for everything mm-hmm. on the way. Wow, it all it all culminated in a in a in a wonderful six years so far stand up career. Um, it, it's interesting. It's just can we interesting. really count this year, though? Can we? Really well, count? no. How, <laughs> let, yeah, let's. We're we're in February of 2021. How yeah. is how? I mean, we're almost a year working from home now, right? Right. Right. Like, are, are you? I mean going nuts uh, i mean or are you just like taking it in stride uh so my day job working from home i've gotten used to that part and you know i'm okay with that and actually now to think about getting up early in the morning showering getting dressed and driving to an office every day like before eight o'clock that seems impossible because <laughs> <laughs> i just haven't done it in so long and i used to have to travel a lot too like you know to toronto and and all around the country and even to think about being gone for a week at a time now just is crazy to think because it's so foreign to what this year has been. I don't even like going um, to the grocery store. Oh, <laughs> like no. Leaving the house just to go to the store is like, oh, God. It's what such am I doing? a chore, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, do the, we do the call ahead, the order online, and then we just show up and they just throw it in our trunk now at the, at the Walmart. And that's been fantastic. You don't even have yeah. the strength to get out of the car. Yeah. No, I don't have the strength <laughs> to get out of the car. Yeah, I'm, I, I have a lot of weight to carry around. I don't. I can't be getting in and out of cars. <laughs> Come on. What is this? I wore, I wore my Apple Watch the other day for the first time in probably three months, and it tracks your steps. And I, I had to do a bunch of errands, and I went to like three stores in one day, and I got a like top goal for the first three months of this year was like 250 steps (laughs) he's getting a little little alert on your phone has someone stolen your apple watch (laughs) did you recently come back from the dead (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah oh man definitely not getting as many steps in now i work from home well that's um yeah (laughs) <laughs> any any indication when you think you'll be going back into the office or is I that don't been, I yeah. don't know if that will even happen um actually the the company I work for got rid of their space where in Lewiston where I work so they had two buildings with like all these floors and they're reduced it to two floors of one building so oh, I don't sure. even have a desk anymore <laughs> so I don't know if I'll ever go back I think it I think that they've just made your decision for you yeah, that's crazy. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. So, so we, things you're like taking advantage of while being home. You are doing some Zoom shows, and you're and you're also into baking. So that's it's cool that uh, you get to actually make stuff and you 
post what you're making for your family and everything? Are you enjoying that part of being home? Oh, yeah, definitely. That was always something I enjoyed in the past, too, but I just didn't have time. Like, if you, I mean, you guys know, because you both worked day jobs and then did stand-up comedy on top of it, and then you have other activities, just as I do, with, like, kids and life and everything. There's just only so many hours in a day, right? And right. and taking all of those extra activities out, taking out commuting, <laughs> and taking out, um, you know, driving to Portland three nights a week to do comedy, there was a lot more time on the calendar. So yeah, I, I took back up my love for uh, baking and cooking. I found that um, <clears throat> when I started working from home, that 4.30 meant uh, vodka tonic time. So. <laughs> you have a little, little alarm in the, on the Alexa to tell you. That, that became an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I should have baked. I should have learned how to cook. I would yeah. have had 10 months of cooking skills under my belt. Um, you mentioned traveling to, to uh, places, Toronto and different places. Uh, have you done stand-up outside of Maine, New England area um, when, you, when you had the opportunity to travel? back at yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah, I've hit yeah, I've hit up places like if I've been there for work, I I've hit them up and tried to see if I could get on an open mic or or see what I could do. Um probably one year into comedy, which is not very experienced at all. <laughs> I had a trip to Philadelphia and I hit up an open mic that I saw like on I I like googled open mics and found this open mic and I had a rental car, so I drove to this, I guess it was a bar <laughs> that had this open <laughs> mic, and, uh, and it was a pretty shady part of town, and I, like, parked my car, and as I was going in, I thought, that car's not going to be there when I come back out, <laughs> but I went in, and I, I put my name down, and of course, at this point, I'd only ever done, you know, like, open mics in Portland, and, and Lewiston or, or Auburn I hadn't ever done like a big city open mic and I had didn't really know what to expect um what did happen is I was the only white person in that entire bar <laughs> I stuck out like a sore white thumb <laughs> and there was very few women in that bar as well and of course like I signed up on the thing and they didn't recognize my name so they made me go first <laughs> and okay. <laughs> I, I got up there and you know I did a few like stupid mom jokes and I got some laughs but I quickly realized that they were mostly laughing at the thought that I thought I could be in that place <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, I'm yeah. lost <laughs> yeah so so I, I did my like three minutes and I sat down and I ordered a drink and as the thing, you know, was going, I realized, like, I didn't really even understand some of the jokes that they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just quickly got up and left. And my car was still there, thankfully, and I made it home safely. But, or made That's it back good. to the hotel safely. I, but, yeah, that was my first out-of-state experience. It was not good. I hope you pay somebody for, for protecting your car while you, while you were inside. <laughs> See, Leonard, I should have had you with me. I, I didn't know <laughs> yeah. these tips. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> This is Leonard, my bodyguard. Besides <laughs> that, I've done a couple of shows in Toronto. I have some contacts up there, and uh, there's quite a uh, arts district in, in Toronto, so that's that's pretty cool. And it's 
super hard to get on an open mic there. Like there's like two, three month waiting lists for an open mic. Whoa. Wow. To perform for free. Yeah. I didn't understand <laughs> how it all worked, but um, so it, what I started doing is if I knew I was going to be there in a couple months, I would contact some, you know, the, the, whoever the booker was and say, I'd like to be on this night or whatever. And they'd give me a couple of minutes. Um, I have done one paid show in Toronto, but I ended up not taking the money because it's weird with my day job if I make money in another country and stuff. So I didn't want to do anything weird with Texas. So I, I didn't take the money for the show, but he ended up buying my drink and my dinner. So how much were they going to pay you (laughs) like 50 bucks but but when you come over the border you have to declare if you got paid for anything while you're out and like i'm not a good liar so (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna do this i'm not because it's super weird so like if if you guys have probably traveled internationally when you come back they're like why were you in this other country and i say for work and they're like oh and then they have this whole list of questions and they're like well is there not someone in Canada that can do your job? And I'm like, no, all the people in Canada report to me. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm, I'm incredibly funny. So, no one can do <laughs> but I didn't make any money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, wow. you can't lie your stuff. way. You couldn't lie your way across the border with two twenties in your pocket. Seriously. I don't know. <laughs> You're I, that bad I was, at lying. I was cool with getting dinner and a drink. And then I just, you know, got in my Uber and went back to the hotel. And, and I did, I just, anyone listening to this, I did not get paid for comedy in, in Canada. <laughs> I don't want to get audited on my taxes. No, no, no. IRS. <laughs> Listen up, yeah. IRS. Nothing, <laughs> nothing untoward happening here. <laughs> oh, man. So you've, you've definitely, you've done it internationally. Not to mention not outside of uh, Maine, New England, but yeah. internationally, Canada. And by the way, super great audiences up there. Like they love comedy. Like Canada is just awesome for comedy. They're very supportive. Man. So is it, is it just that much de- demand, or is that ha- why it was so hard to even get on an open mic out there? Out there? Or you just or you have to know the right people to. Or, or There's just it? so many people. Like are, obviously Toronto gigantic how many millions of people live there right Uh there's just so many people that are that do comedy up there okay you know like if you think about like what's the big festival in montreal every year uh, just for laughs you know that's in montreal and then people get discovered there or whatever and they go to toronto because that's the biggest city that's like us going to new york city right because that's where you're going to get all your experience and i think it's the same here like new york and and boston it's almost impossible you know to get on shows unless you know somebody it's not like you can right. just walk in and be like oh i'll just just i'm going up i'm up next yeah, yeah. no definitely not <laughs> definitely not a local mm-hmm. open mic vibe with going someplace else uh, not that we've tried but uh maybe someday um today like if you said today do you have enough contacts up there like you could get on next week if you wanted to or is that no, probably not still next waiting. week because there's not any comedy really going on but <laughs> i actually have two shows in march um with a contact in toronto he does on zoom so he has me doing like one mid-march and one at the end of march for him because nice he, he called me up you know and he's like i know you know you're not traveling up here but i'm doing zoom shows you want to be on this and it's worked out his zoom shows are pretty fun and and you know uh he, he people have to pay money to get a ticket and then he pays all the comics and they work out pretty good. He usually has 30 or 50 people on a, a Zoom Damn. show. You'll post yeah. about that, right? On your yeah. on your media and whatnot. That's pretty cool. 
Um, so, so you're ca- saying you and Leonard would pay money to see me on Zoom? Because <laughs> I didn't I, feel like I, I was getting paid today. <laughs> no, that, no, zero. We're we're yeah. actually this is we're international now. I'm up in uh, you know uh, uh, Nova Scotia right this moment, so we can't pay you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Based on your job, we don't want you getting have, trouble. Yeah, we um, had the check all written out, yeah. so. Recovery there. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it let's bring it back to maine though like uh like uh you you are a maine comedian um how do you how do you feel about comedy here in maine like what what's what's your take on you know obviously we're in the middle of the pandemic still but you know which what's your feelings on maine comedy so for me i think maine was probably the best place for me to start comedy like I feel like everybody was really accepting around here and Maine's just kind of laid back compared to other parts of the country. I mean, um, you know, and for me, I I think I needed like that kind of encouragement. If I started, I think in a big city and started going up and, you know, got ridiculed. If like that Philadelphia show was my first show, (laughs) I probably (laughs) never would have done comedy again. Um, So I think for me, it's worked out. And, you know, I know like a lot of people kind of, aren't as impressed with main comedy because you know it's pretty hard to get discovered and get like you know a big comedy deal because you're in Maine but that's never been really my thing I never I never thought I'd get famous from this I'm just having fun so for me Maine's perfect for that you know I if anyone else is out there like aspiring comedian and and you feel like you want to get a Netflix special and, and become like a touring comedian probably Maine's not the place to start right yeah okay. <laughs> No, that's that is the truth. Or the place to stay. You could start, but you would have to to branch out, right? To to get big time. But you, but you have you've had some success as comedy. You you, you won a, a oh, competition, yeah. right? Like what was the competition? I, that... uh, I won the Strand Cup comedy competition in 2016. Um, and where was that? that? Was where was that? In Rockland, Maine. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was cool though, because it was filled. It was a uh, the Strand Theater is a big theater, and that was obviously I'd only been doing comedy, you know, a little few months at that point, and I think they had like three hundred people there, and I got up okay. and did my five minute set that I learned in my stand <laughs> up comedy class, and I uh-huh. ended up winning the competition. And I've done other competitions. Um, you know, I've made it far in competitions. That's the only one I actually ever won, but I've made it far, and I've had other successes. You know, I've, I've been able to to open for you know big crowds and and do things like that so that's always cool cool uh what what do you think is the the biggest crowd you've ever and and who and follow up to that who is uh who's the best or or who are some of the comedians that you've opened up for that you are um, that other people biggest, would know yeah probably biggest name i've ever opened up for was kelly mcfarland who, who's pretty big out in Boston and uh, you know, she performed at TD garden last year. So, um, yeah. but I, I opened for her in Portland, Maine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so she's pretty big. And then I had the opportunity two times to open for Bob Marley because he was performing at um, the Franco center in Lewiston. And I just happened to sit on the board there. So I was able to, uh. to sneak my way in to open. for, for Mr. <laughs> cool. That's the only reason I joined boards. Is uh, yeah, so, to, so to opportunity to open up for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so the biggest the biggest crowd I ever did was 450 people, and it was a um, Baptist church, and it was like a women's barbecue, and they wanted me to be the entertainment 
at the barbecue. So they like filed them all into the church and I did stand up in front of, and I was like the headliner. So this is big time. I did like 20 oh. minutes, 450 people. And it was awesome. Like that's definitely my demographic, like women with kids. <laughs> where where was this, where was that church? Where was that? In Auburn. In oh, Auburn, in Auburn, East okay. Auburn, East Auburn Baptist okay. Church. Yeah. Right. Are they all that Baptists? Was, yeah. I'm guessing, you know, like that's the, the <laughs> denomination of the church. But you have to show your card say, as you're going in. You have to show your card. <laughs> I will say though, I was never invited back, so maybe I didn't do as good as I thought. <laughs> did you do? A, did you do a lot of like uh, incest jokes or something? Or no, like, no, it was all squeaky clean. It was great. Squeaky clean. Yeah. Actually, that's that, that that reminds me of something you told me a long time ago. Uh, uh, clean equals green. Yeah, uh, that's my saying. <laughs> yeah, me, you know, I'm and uh, I, I can't. I haven't found that avenue yet. Uh, so I haven't wrote a clean joke or got any money. So <laughs> it's troubling. It's troubling, but I have that in the back of my mind somewhere. That. Uh, so, so like maybe that's a good thing to chat about. Like, if if you're just in it to have fun and you just want to like you know do shows at bars and and stuff, you know, then you're fine. But if you really want to make some extra cash, you know, it's the corporate gigs that 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 pay. You know, you're not going to make four hundred dollars doing a bar with thirty people in Portland, right? But right. you get a corporation they want you to do their Christmas party. They're not going to want you up there telling dick jokes, you know. So. <laughs> That, what if they that's do? That's why though? I came out with. If they do, they would probably not be asking me to be the queen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I always, I always clarify that at the beginning, like when someone, you know, obviously haven't done any in 2020, but when someone were to reach out to me and say, you know, we're having this event or we're doing this, do you want to MC? Do you want to be the comedian? I always say, well, like, what's the demographic? Like, what's the audience? And do you want PG, PG 13, R? Because people can relate, like, with movie ratings. Uh, right, good point. Yeah. I learned very quickly if you say clean, that might mean something to one person and something to someone else. And, like, when they're like, oh, no, everybody's heard swear words, you're good, you know, and then you get somebody on the stage that's their idea of <laughs> their idea swearing clean. is very different than someone else's, <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah, we had a we had a dilemma with that with side by each uh, the shows we were having here in Auburn, Maine, and we said like, uh, these shows are pseudo clean, and then I was like, no, they're kind of clean, but like, no, yeah, you can curse, and it was like, just just it's much simpler to go with just the movie ratings, just PG. And then we had a comedian come up and talk about eating ass. Yeah, <laughs> it was well, like what? Same. I, I hosted a, a competition at the Franklin Is it clean? several years in a row, and the donors there do not want like very disgusting comedy right they wanted it a pretty pg and i would tell everybody on the competition here's the threshold you know watch the f-bombs nothing past pg and i had a comedian get up and talk about for three minutes about bestiality <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pg i don't know <laughs> not in my life uh, you know? <laughs> no no but no. but I mean, you do have a new dog Right, I haven't seen a lot of PG thirteen movies though, so I don't know. I'd have to check them, check them all out just to see. It, it it's it's a difficult line to dance because it's it's something where you know you you watch a, a Disney G rated movie and they they still do some innuendo in there, and it, as an adult you get it now. As a kid, right. it goes right over their heads, 
and then you go PG to PG 13 and you're like, man, there was an F bomb in there. I thought, but you know, and then there's other things violence wise in PG 13 movies. So like, wasn't saving private Ryan PG 13, like good Lord. Really? Oh no, I, maybe not. I could be wrong, but anyways, you know, um, yeah, I guess I'm going off on chess. another, another <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Like that should be, <laughs> anyways getting back to corporate gigs that's how i i start them as i find out what they want like you know like uh the chamber of commerce up in rumford maine wanted me to do their annual dinner which was i don't know 300 people and i'm like you know what level do you want and they were like oh no dirty's great and then i walked in and i saw these people like in suits and i'm like I'm not going to get up there and tell anything that I wouldn't say in front of my own kids. Like it's just not going to happen with all these, like, you know, these were people with the chamber of commerce, but the woman running it obviously had a different idea of what's considered dirty comedy and what's clean, you know, like to her, I think Mm. dirty was like, you know, innuendos, (laughs) you know, obviously there's much more blatant things that people can, can tell. So it must be, it must be, It must be cool to have you know, just the the sheer amount of material to to decide what type of set you're actually going to do in front of a, a particular audience. So how how do you spend time writing? Like what do you what do you actually do, and what's your, what's the process you go through to to add more content, I guess, to your to your uh, repertoire? So I will say this year I have not added a lot. I've been super lazy during COVID, and you would think like with more time. You know, I should have been writing a ton, but um, what what my process usually is, is I'll think of something funny or I'll say something funny just, you know, with people and think, oh, people laughed and I'll write that down, but it's not a joke yet, right? It's just an idea. And I, I just keep writing ideas down. And then, you know, often like I'll keep running it through my head, like that idea and or something will happen like a situation will happen and I might write it down and then I keep running it in my head thinking there's got to be a joke in there there's got to be a joke in there and then one day it will just click and that's when I write the joke so if I give an example of one like that happened right before COVID um, I, I have a joke about being approached in Toronto at a bar by two guys and like as it was happening, I was thinking, there's a joke here, you know, and, you know, I, I, I got up and left, obviously, I wasn't gonna engage with, with two guys in a hotel bar. But I was like, there's a joke there. And if I expand the, the story and embellish it a bit, I bet I could get some laughs out of that. And it's, it's, it's a great joke now. So um, that's, that's kind of my writing process. And what I've done is write out every single joke word for word so that because what I found over the years is I'm forgetting some of the ones I wrote five years ago because <laughs> like, I don't tell them as much, you know, so I at least have that to go back to and say, oh, and then also as you're telling a joke, like I, I have a couple jokes, obviously, I've told for six years and I went back and looked at some of them and like, Oh, I forgot. I had that really good line in there that I haven't said on stage in probably two years. Cause I forgot it. All right. So yeah. that helps too. So that's how I do it. And I organize it and I just kind of have them all written out. And then when I have to go do a show, I kind of put a set together, but I will say like, obviously I haven't done very many this year. So I've probably been pretty lazy and I've done the same set a lot <laughs> for the few shows I've done <laughs> in the last three months. 
Yeah, it's been a been a rough rough year for stand up comedy performances in general. Uh, do you do you find though that you you write it one way and then you say it another, or are you like very true to your own voice when you write it down and using words that only you you know you would only use this word instead of this word or whatever, and, and then that's the way you actually say it, or is it written in a way that you might say it and then you say it differently on stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So probably <laughs> in open mics, I would, I would do that, like change it up a bit, like at an open mic and try to find the right word. And sometimes, I mean, you guys know this, like you'll be telling a joke and something else, like a tag will come to you while you're on stage and you just throw it out there. And, you know, then I'll incorporate that into the joke for the next time I tell it. But when I'm at like a real show, I rarely, throw something in I just stay word for word for me because what I usually do when I'm writing a joke is I write the joke out and it's way long it's ridiculous and then I try to trim it till you have like the cleanest most to the point joke and I think you guys have all been at shows where you see somebody just fumbling with words because they haven't done that part to get it to the funny like they have all this other stuff that might you know have helped but they just go all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, Leonard. <laughs> yeah, I was oh, just thinking. No. Of, no, 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 no. It is good advice. So it is, it is something that I've I've recently got a lot of advice about is about trimming down words and you know getting getting faster to your premise and getting to the actual joke and getting to the laugh and you know because the, the faster you get to the joke, the faster you can get to your next joke and the next laugh. And so it's it's a good mm-hmm. exercise to go through. Unless you only have and a couple jokes. Some words, yeah, and there's <laughs> just some words that are funnier than others, right? Like that's when you write it all out, for me at least, to see it visually. I can like look at a word and be like, you know, should this be this instead? Would that be funnier? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is, you know, if you study it that much. Yeah. So you've done stand-up, a lot of stand-up, but uh, uh, talk yeah. to us also about your improv uh, experience and who who did you learn improv from and how do you feel about improv and and i've done improv with you and it's been fantastic so oh so <laughs> my favorite improv is one of my favorite improv is with leonard kimball okay um so <laughs> improv actually was my first love i started i took an improv class 10 12 years ago now um with rachel flanger I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her, but uh, she used to be on the morning show on WPOR and she's an actress. She's you know, from New York and everything. And she moved to Maine and she was teaching an improv class. And I remember thinking improv always looked fun because I'd watched who li- whose line is it anyway or, or anything like that. And improv sounded so much easier to me than stand-up comedy because you didn't have to memorize anything or write anything. And I uh, remember for my birthday, I said to my husband, I I think I'd like to take this improv class, you know, can you buy me this for my birthday? And it was crazy. It was like $250 or something for 10 weeks. (laughs) And I know, right? And uh, good thing she was good because that was a lot of money. It's a hell of an investment. That's that's (laughs) where I I first first learned improv. And, and, you know, I I took her class and I took um, a couple with, uh, oh, his name's going to escape me. Uh, I can't remember. Sorry. Improvising. No. No. <laughs> anyway, I, I took another. If you, I took if you remember, let us know. Workshops. Yeah, I took another couple workshops, and um, 
Dave, Dave LeGraff, sorry, that's his name, Dave LeGraff. And I took a couple workshops. So it started being like a thing I did maybe once a year. I would just do like a six, eight week uh, improv once a week. And uh, then I got, uh, made some improv friends, you know, and we kind of started a, a group. We never performed, but we would get together like outside of a class and just, just get together. And uh, then I started stand up and obviously you can't, it, doing improv and stand up together was kind of hard um, time-wise. And, uh, and then uh, when Craft Brew Underground opened, I uh, started my own improv group there called Underground Improv and Leonard's in that group, which is awesome, along with a lot of other amazing people. And I, I did some improv and mainly improv. And, um, you know, improv to me is like a break from comedy. I don't know how you feel about it, Leonard, but for okay. me, when I've been doing a lot of stand-up shows, improv's like like a vacation. <laughs> like you just <laughs> you just it's you never know what's gonna happen. And it's just freeing and and you know, you're getting new laughs, like not the same laughs that you've gotten from other jokes. You know, yeah. even though you have to know the formula and know how to do the the improv. Um and you're not all by yourself. You you're on stage with other people. So you're not completely responsible for all the laughs. laughs. So for me, that's how I see improv. It's like my vacation from stand-up. Yeah, you got three or four other people on the, on stage there helping you, and mm -hmm. we're all lifting each other up. And you know, it's it's more like a little little mini party where there happen to be you know a few dozen people watching you have a party on on stage with your friends. <laughs> yeah. So would you? And then would I you? Took, I took a class with Tuck Tucker for improv, and then I took another one with uh, Dennis Price. So there's a lot of good improv yeah. actors in, in Maine, and and I think I've I've gotten some tidbits from each of them. I think living in Maine is all about improv, anyways, because like one day you wake up, it's raining; <laughs> one day it's hot and sunny; and the next day it's snowy and icy. It's yeah, you gotta improv your way through life in general. Uh, so we so you you call it vacation? Then would you rather do improv than stand up, or like if you no. had the option? No. No way. No. Think about it. It can't be Christmas every day. <laughs> think how boring it would get if you were doing it all the time. I don't know. Like, I, I think about that too. Like, I love going on vacation. I love, like, we travel, go on cruises. I wouldn't want to do it all the time. That's why it's fun, because I only do it once in a while. Such a great answer. I love it. Well, we have a we have a, we we texted you uh, about our, our little segment that we're going to try to do for every show because we never know where these conversations are going to go. But uh, uh, we've we've called it "Curse the Darkness," um, and uh, I you know I'm still a little fuzzy on what the actual <laughs> definition is, but I think you know if correct me if I'm wrong, Leonard, but it it's basically just you know something that's an annoyance in your life that yeah. You know, you really, really wish wasn't there, but you're not going to do a damn thing about it. And yeah, so so I, I the, the, the proverb is uh, or the idiom is, you know, I, I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness. And so it means like you should actually do something about the little problems in your life. But but what we want to get to is our, our, our problems or issues that that you you've noticed that you don't plan to do a damn thing about. But you but you might have fun complaining about them. So. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, so we're calling this like Karen Hour or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's just so many. I mean, how much more time do we have? Uh, <laughs> uh, people not wearing masks in public. People not Obviously, wearing I can't do anything about that, but it really annoys me. Like, I mean, <laughs> how many things do you need to read that show that it's helping reduce 
COVID cases if you just put a mask on your face. Uh, so you wouldn't start a fist fight at a grocery store? No. Yeah, cause, cause that well, would be doing I mean, if it was a good it. sale, it was a good sale, but not over a mask. <laughs> yeah. Spaghetti sauce, three for four dollars. <laughs> put your fucking mask on. Yeah. Another thing that annoys me, and it's also at the grocery store, is buying items and getting home and then they're expired. Like I should not have to check the date of everything that I pick uh, up at the grocery store. There is someone employed to do that. Right. And it's not, and, it's, it's not worth the effort to, you know, get back in the back. car and take yeah. this back. And you'd be like hey, the guy, bring it back a box of cereal. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I did do that actually twice last week and I feel like <laughs> kind of embarrassed, but I was just so pissed about it because I, I, in the last couple of years have become lactose intolerant. So there's not a lot of things I can, I can eat that normally would have dairy in them. So I bought this special like vegan creamer, which was $6 for one container. I bought this <laughs> last week, which was the beginning of February. And I got home and it had expired on November 30th. Holy cow. Like that's a long time to sit on the shelf. No but one noticed the smell. <laughs> Well, again, it's it's not real milk, right? So, <laughs> but in their defense, I'm probably the only person that buys that at the Lewiston Shaw's. So <laughs> and we've yeah. just lost our entire Lewiston audience. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, just the vegans. Yeah, just the vegan the Lewiston people. <laughs> that was our demographic. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Wow. There goes one sponsor. Wow. That that's uh yeah yeah exactly. What's the name of the product? Now oh, we can't do that, can we? <laughs> <laughs> and then well done. Similar, the same week I went back, I had bought some some vegan cream cheese, and it was also expired like the day before. So I'm thinking probably not the best place to be buying those items. I probably have to go to a, a specialty natural store or something. They're just yeah, not they're yeah. not With, flying off the shelf fast enough. No. Where, where they pay more attention. I did buy chicken one time and I opened it up like a family sized pack of chicken and I opened it up and it, you could tell as soon as you pull back the oh, plastic. Oh, that's a bad smell. Oh yeah. man. So not to end us on a, on a bad note there with that yeah. you know, <laughs> visual image in your nose or that what olfactory image. Um, but yeah, it was bad. I did get my money back for that one, but normally I'd just be like, whatever trash. So, so. proud of you for lighting the candle on that one. <laughs> Instead that was of good. Curse, instead of cursing the darkness, see what I did there? Yeah. See what yeah, I did exactly. there? Okay. No, very good. Very good. improv skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're kicking in. Oh man. Well, this has been this has been a good conversation. I I, I think uh, I think we got a lot a lot of a lot of good content here. I uh, yeah. appreciate you talking to us. You know, well, thanks for we, having me. Good luck. Good luck with the podcast. I'm sure it's going to be great. Well, thank you very yeah, much. I hope so. Thank you. Really appreciate it. That was our good friend, Don Hartill. Yeah, thanks again to Don for joining us on the podcast. Be sure to check her out on social media. As you heard, she's appearing in Zoom shows. She's teaching a class on stand-up in Lewiston, Maine. And she appears regularly at Craft Brew Underground in Auburn, Maine. She's a funny comic who isn't afraid to do a clean set or mix it up with the, let's call it, blue humor. So again, thanks to everyone who listened. Tell your friends and follow Comedy Think Tanked wherever you can. Be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Comedy Think Tanked. 
and Twitter at Comedy Tanked, and email us at ComedyThinkTanked at gmail.com. Good day. Theme music was written and produced by a minor, Ralph Bergfeld. No comedians were hurt in the production of this podcast. All audio snippets of actual funny punchlines were not written or performed by any of us or our subsidiaries. Rather, they are express written bits of professionals we admire. Let the civil actions be filed. Any opinion heard, actual or implied, is that of Comedy Think Tank's producers and their guests. Any slight, insult, affront, slur, disparaging remark, snub, rebuff, rejection, or spurning, no matter how derogatory, pejorative, or abusive you may feel it is, was not intended, but for comedic, entertaining purposes only. Thanks for listening! Well, let, let's um, since it's fresh in our mind and we're excited about it, let's let's talk, come up with a discussion. Like, I think we should talk about the title uh, and get that conversation out of the way. Oh, yeah, that's a good. T- yeah, it's actually a good conversation to have. <laughs> and and then and then it, whatever that whatever that delves into. So let's start with okay. that. Let's want to take like a, a quick pause and then and then do that. Oh, like right now? Sure. Yeah. Do you need to pee or anything? A little bit done.